Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MA4 Money Show, episode 47. In this show, we review UFC on ESPN 13, Kadar vs. Ige, and UFC on ESPN Plus, Figueredo vs. Benavides 2, plus previewing UFC on ESPN 14, or if you would prefer, UFC on Fight Island 1, 2, 3. Uh, I am Bob Voss, your favorite guards rat at MA State of Mind, here with Mike Copenhaver. You can find him at Don't Cope Just Win on Twitter. Also, follow the show on Twitter at MMA4 Money Show. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful, man. Just stoked to be here to talk about some more UFC and uh, to go over last weekend's fights. Well, it's on Wednesday, so you know what that means. The MMA4 Money Show is here. You can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, the RSS feed. Also, please check out our YouTube. Didn't quite make it out that way that, uh, last week, but this week should finally be on video for you guys, as well as tidbits of the breakdowns, the bets, reviews, all that little bit. It, there's a lot of lot of content there on our channel. Please subscribe, like, comment, and share to spread the word, please. Now, first we're gonna review UFC and ESPN Fight Island 1. But you know what? We have a lot, a lot to get to. We don't wanna waste your guys' time, so I'm just gonna do results, reading straight results until we get to the fights later on the card that interest us the most. So, Mike, if you wanna interject at any point, by all means do so. Otherwise, I think the first fight we're actually gonna talk about, talk about, is Jim Rivera versus Cody Stamen. But until then, we're just reading some results. Uh, Jack Shore got a second round rear naked choke over Aaron Phillips. He was a massive favorite, so good thing he did that. Liana Jojowu, I'm gonna get this eventually one day. Uh, she got a round one arm bar. Plus 170, big underdog there. Jared Gordon with Paul Felder stepping in. Got the unanimous decision victory over Chris Fishgold. Modestus Bukowskis uh, won by KOTKO retirement uh, over Andreas Michalaitis. Uh Leon Murphy surprised everyone with a ground one, ground and pound TKO over Ricardo Ramos. Kazmat Chimaev, everyone's new favorite Dagestani, got a round two Dars choke over John Phillips. And Monir Lazez got a unanimous decision over Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Then Molly McCann lost, which is just, that's fun for everybody. So the first one we're actually going to break down, break down. It was a bet that we had, it was a loss. I'm actually fairly surprised about the result. Not because I thought that Stamen win won and it was a bad judge's call or anything like that, but I thought if Cody Stamen was able to enforce the wrestling, and I think it was pretty clear here that in terms of awesome offensive wrestling, he had the edge. It's just that Rivera had just good enough wrestling to nullify any advancement of position. Cody ended up losing the unanimous decision to Rivera. We lost that bet. I still think Cody Stamen has a higher ceiling and Rivera is pretty much at it and on the downgrade. It was a close fight. This is one that if they have in another year, I can see going different. Mike, do you have any like particular feelings on this fight? I know it was a loss for us, but I mean, Stamen looked good uh, for the most part. 
Yeah, I mean Jimmy Rivera. Uh, he looked he looked really good, and he was sharp in the pocket with his boxing, and he was definitely uh, made Stamen you know pay for his entries. So it just made him a little hesitant. So Cody Stamen really didn't uh, impose his game the way he wanted to with the takedowns and or uh, striking. So uh, hats off to Jimmy Rivera, and he deserved that win. Man, that early going to the first round where uh, I believe it was a. Is that a, stamp, uh, a slam by Stamen? Like, lifted him up, turned him over, put him out. I was like, okay, this is exactly what we want. This is how this fight's going to go. And then, obviously, that slowly faded away. Now, in the next fight, this one I'm just straight up pissed. Um, but this is judging-related. Tim Elliott apparently won a unanimous decision victory over Ryan Benoit, who was another bet for us, another underdog bet at plus 110. I'm, I understand the color commentary and all those guys were just fawning over Tim Elliott. Am I completely blind and completely biased that we bet on this fight that Elliott, that they had Elliott winning? Like I thought it was clear Benoit, clear 29-28 for me. Am I, am I way off here? Am I, like, am I going way too deep into the fact that I had money on this? No, I mean, it, it It was just clear for me, too. I mean, if I guess if it was how many times did you touch the balloon at the fair, uh, Tim <laughs> Elliott did, did a great job, man. He touched all those balloons. So I, I guess those counts as strikes now, significant ones. I didn't see very many real significant strikes from Tim Elliott. I don't care what you say. We were on the right side of that bet. I'll bet uh, Ryan Benoit every single time. I bet it again, uh, uh, you know, if it comes up. You know, it's, it is what it is. You take the loss as it comes. But uh, like I said, a fight's a fight, and uh, no way did uh, Elliot really damage uh, Benoit with any of those strikes. So those pitter-patter butterfly little strikes are, are not really uh, keen to me. So I, I don't really, I, I don't know what to say, man. I'm sorry, but uh, we'll just keep on moving on like we do and get to the Ws. Well, and one bothersome thing, too, is honestly, it depended on the ref, too. Because if, I can think of at least two or three refs right now that if during that submission attempt that Benoit had on Elliot heard the like grimace and well saw the grimace and heard the scream of Elliot they would have called that oh dude I was big I was big and I uh secretly uh I had my own bet I bet uh Ryan Benoit by submission it was plus 1100 and I I was, that was close I was, oh man it was <laughs> I was screaming for it man I, I really thought that uh he was going to have the chance at a submission because he's been over in New York and the East Coast training with Henzo Gracie and them and just getting his jiu-jitsu game really sharp. So I just, uh, I thought it might happen. And man, that grimace, like you said, there's some refs that might have called it for the grimace, but he, he definitely just didn't verbally uh, wince or scream enough to give it the verbal, but it was what it was. And I, I just, Elliot just, it just gives me, it irks me, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of in shock silence here. Man, that, that plus 1100, that was ab- well worth a stab. And considering how close that got, I mean, that's, man, you were right there. That's, that's, that's rough. What's even worse is that, so I, I, I had uh, well, one unit on Benoit, and then I put mm-hmm. one unit on the submission because I felt like, you know, if Benoit wins, even if he wins a decision, that the one unit, you know, that I'd win on Benoit would cancel out the one unit that I'd lost on the submission. So the double whammy really hurt. It was crazy, though, going through that fight because you, you think you're going to at least clear, you know, an even night, and then all of a sudden you lose two units or whatever. So it was it is what it is you know i i always believe in myself and keep chasing those because there's not many people would have uh, put that money down on that plus 1100 and i really thought that it could happen oh and it was crazy close yes that was a losing night for us minus two units obviously we never stop there and we get them back <laughs> so uh the main event had Kel- calvin qatar 
cater. One, I'm st- I've heard it different from every person I announced in that fight. Although he was a big favorite against Dan Ige, he looked phenomenal. I don't... At times it was close, but it was fairly clear to me. I was actually very confused uh, listening to the broadcast. Actually, at one point I switched to... Because I watched it after the fact, I switched to watching the uh, Spanish broadcast. So I didn't have to listen to just them fawning over <laughs> how close of a fight it was. How D- Dan Ige, like, oh, he almost got that round. Or like... Oh, I have this even going in. It's like I thought it, I, I could have given Ige one round. The I commentary really it was completely clear from for Cater, and that's one of the reasons I didn't want to bet. I know he was a huge favorite. I, I had a small uh, bet on Go's decision that was plus three eighty four. Nothing to write home about. I think I only threw like a quarter unit on it, but I was just like, I mean, man, that really seems like a way to, to go for it. I was actually leaning towards that as a prop bet to give out on the show, but I t- had a feeling that uh, all the damage Danny Gay's Took it taken in his last couple of fights. I'm not sure if he could have made it to the final bell. And uh, Calvin Kidder definitely snapped his head back a couple times. But yeah, I was a little flabbergasted by uh, the just fawning over Ige in this fight, similar to the fawning over Elliot. And that one, he actually got a decision. So I was getting kind of worried towards the end there. Yeah, the commentary is super biased lately. You can, it really irks me when you have a bet and the commentary is going the other way, almost like they have an agenda. But uh, it also could be just that we're just so stressed out during the bet that you, have, you just aren't uh, thinking clearly. So it is what it is, man. But I, I definitely dislike the commentary a lot of the time. I miss Joe Rogan. I, I like Joe Rogan. DC and Anik together. Honestly, it, well, it's hilarious to me because obviously Michael Bisping has a lot to say and he has a lot of information to give. But then there's that weird moment when either he has it written down or someone hands him a sheet of paper and he randomly reads the miscellaneous, like, fightonomics striking stats just out of nowhere. Like, well, you know, he absorbs this man, like, and it's always like deadpan out of nowhere and he's usually off on the last number and then corrects himself but clearly reading something i'm like that that's not why you're in this position you don't have to show us your knowledge by by reading off some random technical thing that you don't have right off the top of your head that's that that's not why you're in the position you're in and honestly it takes away from the flow of the fight for me so yeah yes i started switching to a different language granted i'm I'm trying to learn spanish so that's another reason i figured hey i watched something that i kind of like have that going on in the background. Maybe some things will start clicking. But originally I was just going to watch that one, but it didn't quite go so well. So uh, any final say here on the main event on Fight Island 1 before we move on to Fight Island 2? Yeah, I mean, Cater Cater looked good, but uh, he definitely has a problem getting struck on his nose. The injury uh, from Stevens is, is still hurting him and haunting him. He was prodding at his nose a few times in there that Ige touched, and it's going to be a super. It's going to be a major problem uh, in the future with, versus someone that's got some heavy hands. So I look forward to hopefully getting some plus money versus someone with some heavy hands on Cater's nose. Yeah, well, and that's very worrisome because, like, even you look at someone like Rory McDonald, like once he he's just once his nose really went, it never had a chance. Those things take so long to heal that if you keep coming back in the cage, it's never going to fully heal properly. And it's going to be super easy to break and bust like early on in a fight if you have someone with decent hands. So that, that's a good catch on that. I guess I didn't catch that. But hey, Spanish broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we're going on the UFC on ESPN plus Figueredo versus Benavidez 2. This was honestly, uh, top to bottom, a very entertaining fight card, even though it ended in sadness. But uh, we'll I'll read off some of what happened here, and then we'll go over the top four or so fights. 
Sergey Spivak versus Carlos Felipe. Spivak got a majority decision. The only thing I want to say about this fight is as soon as the bell rang, Carlos Felipe sprinted across the cage and then started doing the truffle shuffle at uh, Sergey Spivak. And I just, I couldn't deal with my life with that. And I almost had to look away. Uh, next up, Davi Ramos got waylaid uh, by Armin Ser- uh, Arman Sariukin for three rounds, uh, getting the unanimous decision. Amir Albazi got a triangle choke in the first round over uh, Malcolm Gordon, even though they kept talking about he had a black belt versus uh, Albazi's purple and how great of a jiu-jitsu practitioner Gordon was. I mean, obviously it's MMA, so it's different, but after a couple smacks around, he kind of gave up position real quick. <laughs> big surprise, Brett Johns, uh, for many big surprise, got the unanimous decision victory. Montel Jackson was a fairly heavy favorite. Um and Brett Johns could look good. Um, he's starting to improve a little bit, which is nice. Joe Alvarez got a first-round guillotine over Joe Duffy, who was one of the biggest favorites on the card. Joe Duffy has fallen tremendously from his skill set there at 155. Even in the early goings, they were trading uh, leg kicks, but very early it was limiting his mobility on his leg and very visible, not just from his incredibly pale skin, but like definitely getting hit more there. It was swelling early. And, man, Duffy is just done and has retired since. So we'll see how long that sticks. Grant Dawson got a unanimous decision victory over Nad Naramani. Nad Naramani, one of the worst fights ever. At least it ended quickly as Kadis Ibrahimov got a knee and ground and pound finished by Roman Dalidzi in the first round. And then now we're actually going to get to fights we're going to talk about. The important fights on here. And we're doing all this stuff so we have more time to talk about the next card. But first off was our winning bet of the night, which guaranteed a winning night for us. Asker Askarov was plus 170. He got the unanimous decision victory over Alexander, Alexandre Pantoja. I was getting nervous in this fight. I really was. Not because I didn't think he was winning. I thought he was clearly winning. But again, listening to them on the mic talk about how close it was. They had it one-to-one. Maybe it was 2 and no Pantoja. I'm like, just because a guy gets dominant position or threatens of submission or just throws up submissions but doesn't actually get close to any of them in the last like minute of the fight that he's minute of the round pardon me that he's clearly losing the entire round doesn't give him the round so i was getting a little nervous i'm like i think this is utterly clear but are they just giving it to him because he's in a good position in the last 30 seconds of the of uh, each round but no this one cashed asker askarov looked awesome looked like he could do it for five easy was landing huge kudos to Pantoja for taking some of those strikes. And he just was relentless and didn't let up. He had clearly outstruck him in the first round, was a little bit closer in the second, and then put the gas on in the third. Uh, very impressed with him and look forward to seeing him fighting either for the championship or probably just one away there at flyweight. Mike, opinions on Asker Askarov in this fight for our win and just all around on the fight. Yeah, man, this was actually a great fight to watch, uh, watching mixed martial arts. Pantoja and him were going back and forth in some really great wrestling and jiu-jitsu scrambles. Um, you know, Asker Askarov, he just seemed to be ahead on every single situation, kind of like we said in our pre-fight um, podcast. I really just, uh, I, I like the kid. I like his determination and the grit. I knew that Pantoja was good and he's a black belt. 
but there's certain levels to the the game when you start wrestling and doing jujitsu when someone's just coming at you non-stop and they just don't stop it, it really wears on you and you're just kind of like when is it when is it going to end you know and if it doesn't end you're just screwed so that's kind of what happened in this fight and it was a great bet uh ask Askarov at uh, cashing that for us because it, it just really padded us going through the night Next up, Ariane Lipsky, the violence queen, or is that the wrong nickname? Jesus, she she no, that's right. Oh, the okay, elbow. Well, I'm just, I, she I, was a, I, she I was can't a, remember. She was a slight favorite, and they were talking about how uh, Luana Carolina had to watch out for the power. But they're like, they, she she should be able to take it. That's fine. Pretty much the first overhand that Lipsky threw landed, sended Luana Carolina down to the floor. She hopped on top for. They had a scramble position, and won with a vicious knee bar in the first round bent the knee back like i wouldn't be surprised if she tore one to seven things uh, in that situation grimacing and just writhing in pain as lipsky jumped up to celebrate i liked lipsky here not enough to bet but i like her butt man she was dominant that was that was awesome mike did i talk to him about that knee bar That, that transition was beautiful Oh, man. I mean, the way she wrenched on that knee is so vicious and violent that, I mean, it's unreal, man. I mean, a lot of people don't really wrench in or try to break the arm or the knee or or do what they're supposed to do in that situation. You know, it's kind of shameful because people get someone in an arm bar and they're they're just they're like, oh, I I don't want to hurt them, but I'm going to try my best to get in the tap. And realistically, you should just be full on balls to the wall kind of like she was to get that arm to break or that knee bar and uh it, it's it sucks to see because that shit hurt bad man I, I i was just wincing for that girl and uh, i never expected in my life for that to happen uh during that fight it was an absolute shocker to me most fights go three rounds i thought that was going to go three rounds for women and uh for the ladies and it just it was unreal that knee bar and the way she flexed that girl's knee back it, it your leg does not supposed to bend like that and uh she definitely got injured now next up i'm pretty much gonna throw this one to you because re-looking over the notes i realized i never watched this fight <laughs> uh well one thing that happens um to cut out on some extra time when i watch the fights after the fact is they have the individual fights on the espn plus app so you don't have to deal with any of the middle stuff. So I just kept clicking next and next and next. I, I kind of watched out of order. And apparently I just skipped this one. So I will read the result and then I will throw it to Mike. Full dis- That's why. Full disclosure. We don't BS you guys. That's legit. I never watched this fight. Um, Rafael Fiziez, plus 140, who apparently everyone loves now. So I guess I have to go back and watch this fight. Uh, beat Mark Casey with unanimous decision. So Mike, by all means, tell me what I missed. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Um, the striking defense of Aziz was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I know he's a, a world-class Muay Thai striker and the coach over there at uh, T- Tiger Muay Thai, right? Over there in Thailand? Yes. Yes. So the the way that he Matrix bent back and defended strikes and, and blocked uh, DeCasey's kicks and punches... It was absolutely amazing, man. I, I You definitely need to go back and watch it. It was an absolute treat to watch him display a striking defense and then also some offense on DeCasey. DeCasey's no joke standing. And I know that um, Faziz also is a really good wrestler. And I, I knew that he was the coach, but I thought he was more of a better wrestler than he was a striker. And he totally proved me wrong um, t- You know, in this fight. The, the striking defense was absolutely amazing. It was some of the coolest shit that I've seen in a long time. Um, 
not absorbing punches and just just displaying just amazing just defense man I, I just I can't say enough about the performance of uh, Faziz and I just hope that they give him time to just keep on developing because he, he really is amazing well good to know I'm going to mark that to watch looks like that's probably happening tomorrow because if you guys don't know this I go to bed immediately after recording <laughs> this um, seriously in the co-main event this one was just I think this was rough for just about anyone who saw it uh, I think the collective majority of MMA Twitter, especially MMA betting Twitter, we're not just on Calvin Gaslam, but we're on him in a big way. We weren't on him in a big way. We had him to win one unit, and he looked great early, man. D- controlling ground game, and then just as he decided to get up, got his ankle grabbed and twisted, and Jack Hermanson rolled into the heel hook, and I don't know if Gaslam had a brain fart or what. He wasn't really defending, and then just quick panic tapped and it was over in like a minute and a half so jack hermanson slight underdog he was plus 100 jumps up in victory screams like crazy and then just says what he wants to do for the heavy for the middleweight division here on out but you know what before, before i pass it to you my gosh i want to say something he can say all he wants about what's going on he did mention jared cannonier should get the title shot i mean i wish he would because you know how much we love Jerry Kennanier, how much money he makes us. But dude's still recovering from a torn peck. So let, let's give him a little bit of time. Um, but he needs to watch out because Jared Kennanier will just shove his face right back down his throat again. Won't be a dog this time, but uh, that, that'll happen. Sorry, that, that's a little bit of uh, little anger towards Hermanson, who I thought was overmatched in this fight. And although, yes, the fight only lasts like a minute and a half. He was clearly outmatched in that minute and a half until he got the sub. So he, he was losing until he won, which I know isn't a good argument because he did win and anyone who had money on him did win and all that jazz. But at least anyone who watched this fight was just... If this was any other time in the fight with just a little bit more sweat, it wouldn't have even happened. So I don't know. I'm just going to wallow in my self-pity after that one. So that, that was a loss. That was minus one unit, but we had a guaranteed winning night uh, because of Askarov. So we, had, we won half a unit. So, still a winning night, but, man, I thought Gaslam was borderline a sure thing. That's crazy. Uh, go, go ahead, Mike, before I, I don't know, start to cry or dry uh-huh. heave or any combination of those two things. Oh, man, I, I was I was in absolute shock when this shit happened. I, I, I fucking couldn't believe it, dude. I, I was sitting there so stoked after Asker Askarov did his performance. I was, I was actually more worried about Asker's fight than I was on Gaslam. I thought Gaslam's Me too, and rest- I picked him. <laughs> I thought I thought Gaslam's wrestling was just going to be way too much. I never thought jujitsu wise that uh, Hermanson was really going to be able to do anything. Um, the leg, the leg lock, heel hooks, and all that stuff. That I, that was definitely one fear that I did have because Hermanson was so long. But never in my life did I thought that he wasn't going to be able to defend it or escape it. Uh, he didn't even put his foot on the butt and try to push off and uh, escape and roll. He, he, I mean. He did have it in there deep, so to his defense, it was he was kind of just fucked. But it's one of those positions where it, it, if you don't have very flexible legs at all, which I don't, or hamstrings, you, you don't want to be in that position. And so I, I understand why he taps so fast in that sense. But, man, as a fucking OG fighter that I put money on and I, I thought that he would fight a little bit harder, I, I was super disappointed. Um, my buddies over here at the barbecue were super disappointed. It, it really was just a silencer for all of us. But... uh you know, Jack Hermanson, you know, he, he won't get away with it for too much longer. Well, and that, that's that's the rough thing. It's the rough thing back in Kevin Gass, Kelvin Gastelum. It's why so many times I don't is 
he is so skilled and has so many check marks for him and does stuff like this. And I don't mean like he has a brain fart and gets a sub. Like he is, he outmatches his opponent in like every category and then loses. Gets beat by Neil Magny. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That was such a rough fight. Yeah. I, be, I bet Neil Magny by Me too. three round. <laughs> three, three, I bet him by three round decision. Ooh, wow. Dude, it was gangster, dude. That's I have awesome. a Bovada slip for it. No, yeah, that was, that fight, that fight was crazy because it was almost flipped. You thought that, um, like the order of rounds they would win because you're like, okay, well, normally Gaslam can't gas it, like has no energy and gas is late. Whereas he was whooping Magny early and Magny came back for the latter round, whatever. Yeah, Quite elevation. too long ago, we don't need to talk about. But <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to the main event, which was even sadder. <laughs> Jesus. I love you, oh Joe goodness. B. Uh, I'm coming around on da- uh, Davidson Figueredo here, not because he beat Joe B, but dude's just crazy talented. Um, I was putting him down more just because I wanted Joe B to win. Even if you listen to our last show, we picked Joe B just because like, he had a chance and all that kind of stuff. But in hindsight, Joe B has never come back from a loss and avenge that loss. He just hasn't. It's not something he does. Uh, granted, he rarely ever loses, so that's that's the hard part. But, man, everyone's saying Davison Figueredo is the, the future of this division. And don't wrong, he looked amazing. And the up-and-comer fights are going to be great. But he's 33 also. I mean, Benavidez is only 35. I mean, I know that, that's old for flyweight especially. But, man, I just wanted Joe B to... Even if he was going to win and then drop the belt right there and say he retired, I would have been down for that. But, man, Figueredo dropped him early, real early. I think, uh, I don't know if they were all listed as such, but at least watching it, he at least put uh, Benavides down three times. I don't know if they counted them all as knockdowns, but to the naked eye, they were knockdowns. That's actually the most impressive thing because obviously Benavides was out of it. There's no way getting knocked down that many times. You weren't at least somewhat concussed. And his defense for the first two rear naked chokes was utterly amazing to the point that, like, it, the I think it was the third one, I think there was only three, that rendered him unconscious. The ref wasn't going to call it just because he did so well defending the previous two. And then, yeah, got choked unconscious, never even tapped, so kudos to him for that. But I don't know, man. It, it, it was rough. De- definitely a sour note to end the night, even though there was no bet on this fight at all. But... Man, it was rough. Yeah, man. It, it was definitely rough to watch Joe B get uh, punished like that. Uh, if you go back to the podcast last week, even, even when you heard me pick, uh, I said, uh, this is not a bet. You know, I, this is so, I, I want Joe B to win personally, and I wanted him to win just because he's a great person, and he's also a great fighter. I, I just, it was sad, man. I, uh, I, I hate seeing someone get punished like that, and then... You know, uh, you go on the internet after and you see everyone attacking him and his lady and uh, just saying the worst things to them. It's just crazy how uh, insecure the world is and how uh, keyboard warrior everyone seems to be. But uh, Megan Olivia, uh, Joe's wife, was such a sweetheart, uh, kneeling there by the cage with her uh, like an angel after the uh, he got knocked out and hurt, just wondering if he's okay. Uh, he's so lucky to have such a great wife and a woman just like I am and uh, Bob is as well. And I just... Uh, you know, I, I 
don't want to see really Joe B fight anymore now. I just I'd like him to go, uh, you know, and do broadcasting or do something else. He's a super smart guy. I don't think he really needs to do this uh, fighting stuff anymore. And he's taking a lot of damage now. And I just I just don't think that it's worth it anymore. But uh, we love you, Joe B, on the MMA for Money show, and we we'll always will. And that's why we uh, always back to. Yeah, man, it's just. Uh, I'm going to move on before we get a little bit too sentimental because I'm about to go there. So we're going <laughs> to, before we're going to have to like look in a mirror and tell each other that like we're good enough or smart enough and gosh darn it, people like us. We're going to move on <laughs> before yeah. any of that and- stuff happens. <laughs> um, next up, we're back on Big ESPN. I guess you could put it that way uh, for Fight Island 3. It sounds like a terrible, terrible slasher flick. It's like a C movie that they just keep making sequels to. But there's good fights on here. So this is a Whitaker vs. Till on UFC on ESPN 14. Okay, we're going to do quick picks until we get to a bet. Then we're going to talk about it further. Then quick picks again until we get to the main card. And we'll do a little bit more in-depth on said main card. But I think we're doing good. Bang through two whole fight cards in, 30, in just under 30 minutes. So new land speed record. But going mm-hmm. on to this one, Nathaniel Wood is a massive minus 450 favorite first. John Castaneda plus 360. Uh, I think it's warranted. I think Nathaniel's good. Nathaniel Wood is better on the ground uh, in a major way. And I think he could take it there and possibly get a finish here. So my, my pick goes Wood, Mike, Wood, or Castaneda. Uh, Wood all day. I, I don't think Castaneda is even close to Wood's level of competition. Next, Ramazan Amiev, who I've been fairly high on uh, since early goings in the UFC, is minus 400 versus Nicholas Stoltz, who is plus 325. I'm going to back Amiev again. Sorry, sorry to not give you guys any dogs thus far, but they're big favorites for a reason. Mike, Amiev versus Stoltz. Yeah, uh, Amiev's uh, wrestling and his power is going to just be a little too much. And yeah, like you said, there's going to be a lot of favorites right here because it's you, you can't grab an underdog for a while. Yeah, and honestly, this is just them filling up the card, filling up the card with as many of the foreign fighters as they can because it's on foreign soil, so they can actually get them fights that they're contractually obligated to get and then filling in their opponents whenever they can. So you're getting some dramatic favorites here. Next up, Betch Correa is plus 130 versus Panny Kayanzad, <laughs> minus 150. <laughs> You know what? Screw it. I'll go with the the dog here. I'll go with Correa. She just finds a way to get these decisions, even though she is not athletic, but tends to swing wild haze and grunt and get decisions. So I'll give uh, the credit there to Correa. Uh, man, I can never do the Serena Williams of MMA, uh, Beth Correa. So I'm going to go with Panny, even though the, everyone st- uh, stormed her line already. Oh. Appreciate this is a pick them last week obviously we didn't go over it because we had enough stuff to go over last week but i'm pretty sure it was a pick them last week next up rafael pasau plus 230 is fighting tanner bozer minus 270 that's a huge favorite because everyone saw him get a finish even though they're not remembering that he's a canadian decision machine <laughs> sorry i i just i meant to look actually i'm gonna quick look it up so if you can do a quick pick right now go for it i want to check a line for this I, I'm going to go with Bozer. Pasoza, uh, I don't know enough about him, and he just doesn't have enough uh, upper echelon experience. Ah, I was hoping for like a sweet line because everyone forgets. Because every once in a while you'll get these uh, guys in the UFC that they only look at their UFC fights, even though he's Bozer hasn't had many, or one or two, whatever. Um, 
and everyone goes by those results, not what they've done their entire career. So you get these sneaky good lines. This this one isn't. Uh, Bozer by decision is plus 105, so not great. But it's way better than the minus 270. I'm going to pick Bozer, but uh, for comparison, uh, stuff like this happened in the past um, with Serkinov. Uh, everyone kept getting him by TKO and in the distance, stuff like that, but everyone forgot that he's a judo player, and that's where his... Uh, main thing went and his first two fights he finished inside the distance by knocking someone out so you got some sweet submission lines like for a couple in a row but either way sorry that's why going back into a fighter's career can be very helpful for props if you're into that sort of thing uh next up is mavsar evliov minus 195 versus mike grundy plus 168 this fight does have our first bet of the fight card but i will give it to mike because this was his bet yeah, man, uh, Mike Grundy, his wrestling and his jiu-jitsu are just r- really world-class in the sense of uh, what I like to see in a mixed martial arts fighter. I really think that uh, Mazvar has great jiu-jitsu too, and I think his ground game and, and his wrestling is uh, is par as well, but it's not to the level of Grundy. I really believe that Grundy's stronger in every situation, and in the scrambles, he'll be able to overpower Mazvar, who's a, a little bit younger, who hasn't learned as much as Grundy in, you know, in, in life in general. And then fighting. And so I think that Grundy will be able to outmatch him in the wrestling. And then so then Mazvar will then be uh, have no choice but to stand. And someone who's not a, a world-class striker, in not saying that Grundy is, we're going to have a much more even fight on the feet. And so the odds at plus 168, the, they don't reflect, the they, they don't seem right to me. So I want to throw down the one unit on Mike Grundy at plus 168 because I believe he's way more talented on on the ground jiu-jitsu wise and scrambling and wrestling. And so at, with at those dog odds, uh, you know, it seems like a great bet. This is one of the bets that's very much on the value side. I do agree with Mike. This should be way closer to a pick'em. Minus 110 apiece, easy. So one have to fight that close and you're getting this big of dog odds. By all means, go for it. This was one of my main basis for the Askarov pick last week at the plus 170. So similar odds to this is it was close with me giving the edge to Askar. And I thought the plus 170 was ridiculous. And this is similar. This is plus 168, which at worst is a close to even fight with certain categories leaning towards Grundy. So our bet, yes, is one unit at the plus 168 to win you guys 1.68 units. Next up. Some more quick picks. <laughs> Jake Pallier <laughs> is plus 190 versus Tom Aspinall, minus 230. I don't know, I've always liked Jake Collier, but, uh, Collier, but I don't think he's going to pull this one off. So I will go with Aspinall. Mike? I will go with Aspinall as well. Okay, next up, Nicholas Dalby going into his second UFC run is minus 265 versus Jesse Ronson, who's plus 225, the old Canadian favorite getting second life as a... Uh, their need of fighters. Uh, I'm going to pick Nicholas Dalby just because I think it's funny that his original claim to fame was uh, fighting Darren Till, and now he's on a Darren Till undercard. I mean, he did, he's going to win uh, a hard-fought decision where he piles up the output, but I'm going to go with Dalby. Mike? Yeah, I'm going to go with Dalby as well. I think he just has way too much ex- experience and just the upper a better ceiling than the, the guy he's fighting. I think it take way more damage too. I think uh, I don't think Ronson's can handle the amount of damage that Dolby can put out. 
Next up, Grandpa Trinaldo is fighting. Get excited, the man who may be 35, he may be 45, he may be 55, but he is currently minus 165 versus Jay Herbert, who is plus 145. If this was a year and a half ago, Trinaldo would be a minus 350 in this fight. Um, I think these odds are pretty ridiculous. Um, he has... It's definitely slowed a tad, and his chin is finally starting to falter after years and years and years, heck, decades. Um, I'm still going to pick Trinaldo, but I don't know. If it's, it dips a little bit close towards even money, I actually might have to take a stab on this because I think uh, he is far and away the better fighter here. So my pick is Trinaldo. Mike? Yeah, uh, Trinaldo, man, I, he's got so much experience, man, and he, ne he never quits. He always gives you a great fight. Uh, I, I would, I'm going to have to go with him as well because he's the OG. He's got more experience. But uh, Jai Herbert, he, he's no slouch. If Trinaldo doesn't keep him on his back foot and doesn't mix in takedowns, then he's going to have some problems with a little bit of the length of Jai Herbert. But uh, Trinaldo's not a, an idiot, and he also has a decent gas tank. He's used to the humidity as well over in Brazil, similar to Dubai or in the Middle East. So I, I think that uh, Trinaldo will still get the fight. Next up, a little bit of deja vu, Ka Kamzat Chemayev. Yes, that Kamzat Chemayev, who like literally just fought, is staying on Yaz Island, and he is fighting Reese. I think this pronounced name. It's R Y H S. I'm gonna go with Reese McKee, but that's not all. Kamzat is minus twelve hundred uh, versus McKee, who's plus seven seventy five. Obviously, he impressed. In his last out, uh, and this is definitely showing that. Um, minus 1,200 is crazy steep. Uh, one thing I might look at is currently uh, Chimeyev wins by decision, is plus 560. And although he's much better than this guy, and this guy is much worse than the guy he just fought, the back-to-back -back weight cuts... I think are going to hamper his ability a little bit. He should still clearly win here, but decision is a little tempting at the plus five, uh, 560, and I think that's only going to climb as more and more people play him inside the distance. Currently inside the distance, he's minus 430. So uh, that's going to continue to get slammed, and I might put a little bit on that closer to the event, especially because I think it's going to keep climbing, uh, especially if it gets to like minus six, seven, 800 in that range, because then I can still put a half unit down uh, just as a side bet and... Make a good amount on that. Um, so I guess no-brainer. Everyone's new favorite. Uh, one of everyone's new favorite uh, Russian fighters, Chimeyev. I'm gonna go with the ridiculous favorite, um, Mike. Are you going with that or are you going for the huge upset? Oh, man, I, I went with Kazmat last week uh, with the submission, and that's exactly what he did. And so I, I really like how your way of thinking this week and uh, decision that those plus odds it seems like really good value. And uh, with the heat over there and the humidity and everything, it, it, it could definitely stretch in past three rounds and, and get to that decision. So to get a, a negative 1,200 favorite at plus 500 or more is, is absolutely incredible. Um, but Kazmat's probably going to destroy this kid. Oh, well, more than likely. I have no doubt that, that is more likely what's going to happen. We'll just see if how much he can do. I mean, he went... Not quite two full rounds of Phillips, and it was all one-way traffic, so, I mean, there's that, but I guess we shall see. Um, we are on to the main card. No, that does not mean we're almost done, because this is a seven-fight main card. <laughs> well, I think I have it listed for six, because uh, I think they, I don't think they've decided if the Kimiev fight's going to be on the main card or not. They've said it might be, but as of right now, it's six. That might make it seven. So, Paul Craig 
the bear Jew. Yes, I said it. This is minus 125 versus Gadzimrad Antigulov, which is plus 105. Um, screw it, I'm going with Craig. I think he might get a submission here. I mean, he is a tough SOB and can take a lot of punishment and find his weird positions to get said sub. Um, Mike, I will throw it to you while I actually look up what by sub is. Oh, man. Paul Craig's definitely exciting to, uh, to watch. And so uh, he never quits. And I, I like that. I just, I don't know, man. I, I just don't see enough. He gets super lucky. And so I, I would have to go with Antigolov. Uh, it's not by sub. They only have inside the distance props thus far for everything. But the top three fights. But it's plus 135 for inside the distance. And because I have a dash on my notes for when the main card starts. Apparently I skipped the actual first fight of the main card. So we're gonna do a mini time travel back a solid <laughs> three and a half minutes That's before we talked about Paul Craig. And we're gonna go to what really starts the main event, which is Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Peter Sabata. Alex Oliveira is minus 175 versus Peter Sabata, plus 155. This is a very odd fight because Oliveira should straight big brother and destroy him. But he also is a major flake, and if he is not the bully in a scenario, he kind of gives up. Uh, I think he'll be okay here because Sabat is not that guy. I mean, unless he starts throwing some vicious body shots, as he can do. But uh, So I will go with Oliveira with his freakish bull riding strength to just basically throw Sabata down and beat the ever-loving crap out of him. So I'm going to give uh, my pick to Oliveira at the minus 175. Mike. Oliveira or Sabata? Yeah, man. Like you said, uh, Alex Oliveira is super exciting, and then sometimes he flounders a little bit. But uh, I think he's got a little too much for Sabata. He's also just getting better and better as he's gone into his mixed martial arts career. I mean, he used to be a bull rider, and he never even uh, you know trained like a lot of these guys. So I'm going to go with Oliveira because I think like he's learning each and every time. Now we're going to fast forward about ten minutes, which would have been the end of the Paul Craig breakdown Paul Greg and Tugulov breakdown to actually another bet so this is this is a beneficial time travel it's like how back to the future three was not back to the future two um Carla Esparza is plus 158 versus Marina Rodriguez minus 180 Carla Esparza is gonna get straight boxed up here um in a major way. <laughs> I do think that uh, Esparza isn't what she once was. Obviously, usually if she has the wrestling advantage, she can usually win a fight uh, at bare minimum just by taking you down, hold you, doing just enough to advance position and pitter-patter strikes that they don't stand you up. But uh, Marina is getting so much better at her takedown defense and getting up when she does get down and establishing a jab early and just pouring on the strikes. I don't think this is going to look good for Esparza. Uh, I think it's going to be a clear win for Rodriguez here. And it is a little steep. She's minus 180, but I do think it's very clear that she's going to win. So we do have a bet on this one. It's 1.8 units to win you guys the one unit. That's our second bet of the night. Mike, tell me how Marion Rodriguez is just going to make Esparza look straight silly. Yeah, man. Marina Rodriguez's striking is so much better than Carlos Esparza's that it's not even funny. I mean, uh, in the clinch, with elbows, with knees, uh, whatever she wants to do, she's going to be able to hit Carlos Esparza and damage her pretty badly. Um, Carlos Esparza is known for her wrestling, and I, I, 
I don't really like her wrestling. I don't think it's not it's not that great. Um, Super for, basic. Yeah. So for as as long as she's been fighting, it, it's really not that great. She doesn't get her takedown uh, rate is not as high as you would like to see for someone who's supposed uh, base is wrestling. So I, I think that Marina Rodriguez's takedown defense is, is stellar. I think she'd be able to get back up if she gets taken down. Um, Carla Esparza definitely will get her down at least once. But after Esparza, uh, Marina gets up and then continues to break Carla's will, I, I could see her finishing Carla. So we're putting down that 1.8 units to win that one unit on this fight because this is a, one of those women's fights that I just see a gap in striking and uh, just a clear gap. So we're going to throw it down. In the co-co-main event. I'm only putting it this way because honestly, the top uh, main, basically the whole main card of this uh, event is is good. But this is just an odd one for me. So this is Fabricio Verdum, plus 280, versus Alexander Gustafson, minus 340, at heavyweight. Which I know he's long, and you talk about guys that have trained with him, talk about how big Alexander Gustafson is. He's not, though. He's not that big. He isn't like he's I, like he's gonna come in with a gut, man. Like there's no way around it. He's coming in with a gut. He didn't have tons of like upper body muscle or like even like a lot of muscle on his legs. He's gonna come in straight fat. There's no way. Like he's not coming in at 225. So if he he's gonna pull what his training partner did, who I, I love I love Ir Latifi, but Ir Latifi. He was a 205er and came in at like 260 and was like all kinds of not muscle. It was just <laughs> ripping jeans just as he walked. And I look like a gummy Gustafson bear. Is, yeah, if Gustafson's anywhere near to that, that ain't good. I mean, he's a huge favorite because Verdum back from a USADA suspension looked like straight trash in his last fight. But I don't know, man. Um, I guess no matter which way you're leaning on this one, wait for the scale to see how he looks. I mean, if he and if he looks bad, for Dumet dog money might not be too terrible. I'm, I'm just saying, if if Gustafson looks real bad on the scale, so I'm just gonna slide to the left of this one. But I guess tentatively, my pick is pick is Alexander Gustafson, just because he he's more well rounded. But if I see him on the scale and he just looks just straight sloppy, I might put money down on Verdum. <laughs> Mike, how do you feel about this fight? Uh, I think I think this is absolutely weird, man. I don't know what Gus is doing. Um, I don't see a future for him in the heavyweight division. So I, I, I guess he just they wanted to fight it with some big names. I think that Gus is going to win. I think his striking is way better than Verdum. Uh, Verdum's only chance is to get uh, Gus down and to get a submission, which he can. And don't get me wrong, that would be a great uh, prop to put your money down on for Verdum is to put him on the submission because that's his best chance in my opinion. Um, but I. I his striking is not there. He's not been fighting enough. He's been kind of playing tiddlywinks and uh, throwing boomerangs and stuff. So I don't, uh, I don't quite know where his head's at. And Gus is a little bit more in the game. So I just have to go with Gus. But I don't trust heavyweight fights, and I do not bet them. And I would not bet Gustafson at negative three forty. I think that's crazy. And you don't want Gustafson to win because you guys don't know this. But if Gustafson wins, I would all but guarantee his next fight is going to be against Francis Ngannou. And you don't want to see what he's going to do to him. You already saw what Anthony Johnson did to him. You don't want to see what Francis Ngannou will do to him. That's not nice. God, I would love to see it. (laughs) I would love (laughs) to see it. That'd be some nice fight. There you go. Let's hope that uh, 
Gustafson looks amazing and destroys Verdum and then fights Francis Ngannou and maybe we'll get a good price on Ngannou in <laughs> round one. Yes. Um, and the co-main event, the actual co-main event, it is a rematch. Not just a rematch, it's a trilogy. Why it's a trilogy, I have no idea because Mauricio Shogun Hua is minus 190 versus Rogerio Nogueira, Nogueira at plus 165 and he's currently 2-0 in the trilogy. He beat him once in Pride in 2005. He beat him once in the UFC in 2015. And apparently five years later for like a double retirement fight, they're going to just do it one last time. This isn't like Rocky where it was close. I mean, <laughs> this is this is clear wins for Hua. Um, I think Lua, uh, 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 adding extra letters in front of Hua just makes all kinds of weird stuff. Like I almost said Hula. Like there's a lot of stuff that's going on right there in my mouth. Um <laughs> He should win this. He absolutely should win this. I think he's going to win this. I think he's going to steamroll him. He has more left in the tank than Nogueira. He absolutely does. He doesn't have as clean a boxing, but his leg kicks are there, provided that his knees are stable enough. And he does have a better ground game if it does go there. I'm a little nervous just with the age of these fighters, how much damage they have taken. Uh, This was a possibility for a bet for us on this fight card, and I do think he is going to win. But... Uh, they, they, they fighters get to an age where you're just you're pl- you're basically double betting. You're betting that they're going to show up, and you're betting that they're going to win. And sometimes I'm a little bit too too scared to take the double bet. So I do think he's going to win here, absolutely. And if it does come down, uh, I'm for adding this as one of our bets if it comes down a little bit, because then I won't feel as like a 13 year old girl right now. <laughs> and no, I'm not saying something sexist. Don't come at me, bro. <laughs> Mike, the co-main event, Hua versus Nogira. Yeah, man, this is another weird one. I have no clue why we're having a trilogy when the guy's 2-0 and and the other guy lost two times. So uh, it really makes no sense. Shogun Hua, to me, is the more superior fighter. He showed it two times. He's going to show it three times. He's uh, fought more recently. He showed me some great performances that I I couldn't even believe in uh, a few of them. And I just think that he's too much for Noguera, and he's going to prove that again uh, this third time. So third time's a charm, even though he did it the first two times. In the main event, we have the former middleweight champion, Robert Whitaker. He is minus 120 versus Darren Till, plus 100. Till's coming off his win over Kelvin Gastelum, which I suppose in hindsight isn't looking too good. It's a split decision win at that in his debut at middleweight. Um, pretty much whoever wins this will likely go for the championship and fight the winner of Paula Costa versus Adesanya. For me, um, I side with Whitaker. I think he's more well-rounded striker. He has better wrestling. All of those factors. It kind of just depends. I mean, I talked about this a little bit in the last fight. If Whitaker is Whitaker and he fights even 85% of what he has shown in the past, it's him all day. Uh, that's why I think this is closer to a pick than him being a heavy favorite is we've seen him take a lot of damage from Romero and we saw him get finished by Adesanya. So we don't know if he's truly there. So there's another reason why there's no money on this fight for me, but uh, I'm going to pick Whitaker and also Till kind of annoys me. So I'll go, I'll go with Whitaker for that reason too. Mike, the main event, Till versus Whitaker. Yeah, man. I mean, I love me some Bobby Knuckles, so I'm going to be back in my boy Bobby Knuckles again. I think that uh, guys that go with Romero and fight uh, Adesanya, I, I think that 
it takes a special someone to even be able to handle uh, those guys or even last or even make it into the ring versus them. So I think that Whitaker has just got a, a more well-rounded game. I mean, I know Till is he's a pretty big dude, which he might be a little bit bigger, but and he might have a, a more power shot. But I don't. I just don't see him as the the more well-rounded fighter. I think Whitaker's smart enough to get takedowns when he needs them. Um, it's going to be a five-round fight that he's more used to, so he's going to be able to you know impose this game. So I, I'm just going to back Bobby Knuckles. I think that he can do it here, and uh, I'd hope that's just an exciting war. Well, we're going to do a quick review since we are at the end of that event. The quick review on our bets for this event here. We have one unit for Mike Grundy at plus 168 so that's to win you guys 1.68 units we also have a bet on marina rodriguez minus 180 to win one unit so that's 1.8 units to win you one unit now mike before we do the outro do you have anything else to tell the fans the people soon to be fans casual fans hardcore fans just about any kind of fan uh, man, if you don't know, you need to get yourself a package, a NASCAR package, especially over at MMAformoney.com. Uh, my boy Straight Prime, money. Yeah, the king of NASCAR. I mean, there's only been like nine races and he's won like, I think six or so of them. It's like unreal, the numbers that he's hitting. It's like every week and sometimes multiple times. Even uh, our boy, Super Tip Star Tippy, our producer, he's uh, hit a couple this weekend, hit the F1 for a plus 2.5 units. So shout out to him on that F1 uh, race. And so uh, just get yourself a package and join this uh, team because uh, we're for real. And Tippy, don't think we didn't notice you changing your avatar to your actual picture, you cute little man, you. Sorry, I had to put <laughs> that one out there. <laughs> uh, now for the outro. But even before that, um, I'll get more in depth into the specifics in a second. But please, please, please review the podcast. Because just like even more so than the other stuff, please review the podcast because it helps spread the word and also it's a great way for us to see what you like what you don't like so we could change positive negative i don't really care i just want a, a review so i know if we're heading in the right direction or if we should pivot or what you like what you don't like very willing to take criticism by all means same thing dms all that kind of stuff we're open to talk about what we should do to the show to make it better anything we're all for it but we will be back next week to preview UFC on ESPN Plus 31 Home vs. Aldana. It's a decent card. Nothing crazy, but you know what? There's, there's going to be some good spots on there. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice. The Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Overcast, Podcast, RSS Feed. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Now we're going to start having some video content pushed out there for you guys. As well as small tidbits of the show and breakdowns. Like, comment, and share to spread the word. And with that, let's, let's roll. roll.